Hello everyone, this is Pastor Jay Tyler from Holt Assembly of God, and I want to thank you for listening to this broadcast of Life in the Spirit. I pray that you are challenged, blessed, and encouraged as you hear God's Word shared in this message. Today we're starting a new series called Me and My Big Mouth. The title needs no explanation, it's self-explanatory. So we're going to talk about some ways our, our big mouths get us in trouble. So from the very outset of this series, here's the truth we need to understand. This is what I really want to, to reinforce uh, at the opening of every service is this. There is power in the words that we speak. There is power in the words that we speak. If you grew up in a home where you told, were told that you were worthless, unwanted, and not loved, then you know that words have power. But on the flip side of that, if you grew up in a home where you were told that you were valued, that you were wanted, and that you were loved, you know the power of words. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love its fruit will eat it, or eat of its fruit. So death and life are in the power of the tongue. So our words have the power to give life, or they have the power to take life. Let's choose life today. So look what Jesus said about our words. Uh, Matthew 12.34, out of the overflow or, or the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, I know this may not sound true in every situation because sometimes we joke around, we kid around, whatever, but often our words reveal our hearts. Our words reveal our hearts. So in this series, we're going to talk about this. Uh, we're going to talk about lying. We're going to talk about criticism. We're going to talk about gossip. And today, we're going to talk about complaining. So I'm going I'm to show this photo. Go ahead and show this photo. Jenny took this picture of me and the kids a few years ago at, at Disney. And one of the hopes, this trip we took, that I wanted to recreate some of the photos we had taken in a, in a trip uh, in 2005 when the kids were little. This was the only one of the only, I didn't care what rides we were, I didn't care the order of the parks we went to, I, don't, I didn't really care. I just wanted to get some photos in some places where we stood uh, in previous years. So we took this photo, again, when you look at the, the one, it's, it's this one here on the left, Everything was happy. Everything was perfect. And then the next was 2017. And everything looks good, but it's not. Now, I can't show you the previous photo because Jenny hasn't. She said it to me. I was just laughing about it because the previous photo captures the moment that really happened. We're all putting on a good face. I'm really having a struggle putting on a good face. You may see it. What happens was everything looks good on the surface, but it wasn't good because just moments before, one of these children almost died. I mean, they almost died on the spot. So just before the photo was taken, Jenny caught one, and we didn't obviously use that one, but it was just, I was up to here with all the arguing and complaining. So at one point, I contemplated the peace that prison might bring me. It might be worth killing someone today. This child, who will remain nameless, told Jenny and I, quote, we were ruining their vacation. I said, what? What did you just say? Ruining your vacation? You didn't pay a dime for this vacation. So it didn't matter what we did, the rides we chose. It wasn't the right rides. Why can't we go to this ride? Uh, the food weight, why do we have to eat there? Why do we have to stop and take these photos? All of it ended with arguing and complaining. I guess you could probably already tell which one it is. I'm still going to let that child be nameless. But I decided I just had enough. And I said, we are going back to the condo. It was in the middle of the afternoon. I was just done. I time out, I'm gone. So we go back to the condo, and as we got there, I told this child that they complained one more time, one more time, that I was going to drive them back, back home, and I was going to drop them off 
and then I was going to come back without them. So later on in the afternoon, we, we ate, and everyone cooled off. I go back, I go to back, I go to the room, shut the door, I'm watching TV. So we're up there, and uh, the kids want to go back to the park. I said, no. I, I boycotted like the Russians in the 84 Olympics. So Jenny fell on the sword. She took the kids back. I stayed back. I did not go back. Because if I heard one more complaint, someone was going to meet Jesus that night, and it wasn't me. So I don't know how God feels about complaining or our complaining, but I know this, it displeases him. Clearly from the Word of God, throughout the Word of God, complaining displeases God. And when I think about complaining, the first place I feel like I, I always go, when I think about the subject of complaining, go into the, New, the Old Testament and think about the Israelites. I mean, they complained constantly. And Israel had been slaved, you know, for 400 years. They cry out to God for a deliverer, and God sends them Moses. And through Moses, God does just miracle after miracle on Israel's behalf. He, he issues 10, 10 miraculous plagues against Egypt, uh, basically to, to change the heart of Pharaoh so that he'll release Israel from their bondage. Uh, while leaving Egypt, God you know, does the miraculous parting of the Red Sea, and Israel passes through. And as the, the, uh, the armies of Pharaoh are pursuing, you know, they're drowned. So while making their way to the promised land, just, just remember all these great things God's doing for them. And they're, they're going through the promised land. They're hungry. They cry out to God. God gives them manna, bread from heaven. Then they're thirsty. God, give us some, some water. We need something to drink, water from a rock. And then they're tired of the water and the manna. And they want meat, so God sends them quail. And just God responds time after time. But how do the people respond to the goodness of God? This is how they respond. They griped, they whined, and they complained. Exodus 14, 11. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the desert? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? And that, that verse goes on and on and on. Here's what they're saying. We were so happy as slaves. Life was just so good when we were slaves. But you brought us out in the desert. Didn't we tell you in Egypt? Didn't we tell you to, to leave us alone? Just leave us be. Let us serve the Egyptians. It'd be better for us to serve the Egyptians as slaves than to die in the desert free. Bunch of whining, complaining people. But the complaining doesn't end there. Israel goes on and on to complain and again and again and again. At some point, Moses tells the people this. You're, you're not grumbling against me. You're complaining against God. And you know what? it's still true today. In, our, in most of our situations, we're not really complaining about someone, something. We're really complaining about God. So here's my question to you. What do you complain about the most? And for me, it's always church-related. It's always church-related. God, why don't people give the way, the way they should? God, why aren't people faithful as they should be? Why, aren't people, why don't people serve the mission like they should? God, why am I doing this alone? Wah, 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 complain, complain, complain. You know, just pity party. Poor, poor, pitiful me, right? We all have something we, we complain about. We complain about our nation. We can complain about the weather. We can complain about our marriages, our kids. What's not on TV? That's something to complain about. Why are we spending all this money for nothing? Right? I, I find myself watching reruns. We watch reruns for Clarion Out Loud. We don't watch anything new anymore. We watched something from 20 years ago. It's an endless list of negativity, though, right? 
And this is why we have to, what we have to realize. The problem, the problem isn't the weather. It's not the traffic. It's not the marriage. It's not the lack of finances. It's not anything else. Here's the problem. We have taken our eyes off the goodness of God, and we have planted them solely on ourselves when we complain. So when we complain, we have taken our eyes off the goodness of God, and we have placed our eyes dead center on ourselves. Think about the Apostle Paul. He has every right to complain. Think about his life. The number one desire of Paul was this, that he goes to Rome to preach the gospel. That's what he wants to do. Just send me to Rome. Send me. You can see it throughout the book of Acts. And he mentions it in his letters. His desire was to go to Rome to preach the gospel. I mean, God had sent him everywhere else. He's traveling around the world, but he really wants to go to Rome. It's his desire. So he, wants, he knows if he gets to Rome, he can reach the leaders of Rome. If you, if you minister to Rome, you minister to the world. So that's his heart's desire. But what happens? Paul gets arrested, and he's sent to Rome, but not as a preacher. He's sent there as a prisoner. And he's there for about two years. He's under Roman guard. He's awaiting execution. So I'll be honest. If this was me, I'd be saying, God, this isn't fair. This isn't right. God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? I've been so faithful. Why, would, why in the world are you allowing this to come into my life? The Apostle Paul, he could have complained this along his journey. He's got a lot to complain about. He's been shipwrecked. God, I've been, I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten. I've been snake bitten. I've been left for dead. I've been abandoned. I've been abused. Now, this is injury, added injury to insult. But instead of complaining, instead of whining, instead of telling God why it's all wrong, why it's not fair, this is what the apostle writes. And he writes this to the Philippians while he is incarcerated, while he is in prison. It's a prison epistle. So think about these words. Here, are, here they are. Philippians 2, 14 and 15. Do all things without complaining. We can just stop right there and have an altar call. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless. Well, if you really want to strengthen your walk with God, stop complaining. Stop arguing. That you may become blameless and heartless, children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Listen, if we could just hold our tongue and not complain so much, the world would be a much brighter place. I mean, the, the, the contrast, posting on social media. If you would just, there's so many times I just want to post uh, videos of dogs doing stupid stuff, cats doing stupid stuff, you know, because it just makes me laugh. And it's just, there are some things that are just so stupid that I just like to laugh because there's just so much negative garbage. If we would just hold our tongues, hold our thoughts, and stop complaining, this world would be so much brighter. There's a lot of spiritual reasons why we shouldn't complain. Why we shouldn't complain. And there's a lot of practical reasons why we shouldn't complain. Dr. Travis Bradbury wrote a book called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. And he's done a lot of research on this subject of complaining. There's a lot of, lot of uh, studies going on with complaining and gratitude right now. And based on his research, he says that the repeated complaining actually does this. And you know this is true. As soon as I say this, this is so easy. Repeated complaining hardwires the brain to do exactly what? Complain some more. To complain more. In other words, the more negative you are, the more likely your brain is triggered to be negative again. So this fits right in line with the Bible. Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinks in his heart, 
so he is. So he is. So when you decide that you're not going to like something, your preconceived expectations are usually confirmed because your expectation was already negative. I've heard, people, I've heard women say this, all men are jerks. All men are jerks. If that's your preconceived idea, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get a jerk. All right? Or this, you're so wired, you're so settled on men are jerks, and only the negative, you'll never see the positive. And listen, if you're looking for perfection and nothing negative, you are going to have to wait till you get to heaven. Because there's no woman, no man that is perfect. So this was the, problems of the, the, the problem of the Israelites. They were negative when they were in captivity as slaves. Just negative. And, and you can say, well, rightly so. You're, you're, you're enslaved. Why wouldn't you become negative? That's the, that's the key. You can't allow yourself to become negative. But they did. And when they're free, guess what? They're negative some more. Their negative mindset trained them to be more and more negative. Even with the goodness of God, even the mercy of God, the grace of God, the blessings of God, it never was enough. There was always something to complain about. Wah, wah, wah. See, I want to train, I don't know about you, but I want to train my mind to think about that which is good, which is pleasant, which is lovely, instead of focusing on what's negative. Listen, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what's negative in this world. But it takes a man or a woman of God to think about the goodness of God and to keep your mind set on those things. So when we look at the Apostle Paul, the way he lived, the way he taught, what he communicate, uh, communicated throughout the, uh, the scriptures, and communicated in this idea of, of stopping our complaint. There's two major components to this. Number one is this. If you can change your circumstances, then do something about it. If you can change your circumstances, do something about it. In other words, we're not going to go through life and pretend like everything is okay. I'm not saying that. Don't do that. But if it's in your ability to fix it, to change it, then change it. And if you don't, don't complain about it. Because when you complain about it, that's when it becomes sin. That's when it becomes not right. So sin comes into play again when we complain about something, but we fail to do anything about it. So it's like Nehemiah, Nehemiah in the Old Testament. He shows up, and to Jerusalem, the walls are down. It, it, he, has an unrighteous, he has a righteous indignation within him. He knows this, the, 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 the city is exposed. The walls of the Old Testament is what protected those cities. These walls have to come up. What are these walls doing now? Why, what are you doing? You've got to build these walls up. But he doesn't just sit around complaining, you're all going to die. You know this, right? I mean, he doesn't go into this complaining pity party pointing out the negative he goes all right let's do something about it we've got to get these walls up i'm i'm on spot i'm here to help with the job he does something about his circumstances so if there's something you dislike something that gives you a righteous dissatisfaction if there's something you can do about it then do it just do it don't complain about it don't put comments on social media do something about it if there's a negative situation that can be changed, change it. Number two, if you can't, if you cannot change your circumstances, change your perspective. And that's the key to complaining and not complaining. Change what you say about it. Change how you think about it. Change what you see in, this, in, the, in the circumstances. Look what Paul says in Philippians 2, 17 and 18. Yes, and even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering... On the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. 
remember, Paul's writing this. He's awaiting execution. He's in prison, and he writes, even if, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, I'm still going to be glad. A drink offering would be a powerful image in those days, not so much to us. But a, a drink offering, the priest would, would make a sacrifice, maybe a lamb or some type of animal, and it was their burnt offering, and they would, they would take often a drink offering, and they would usually take an expensive liquid, maybe wine or honey, and they would pour that, that liquid. And you know what happens when something's burning and it's hot, you pour liquid on it. You have that, that smoke, that vapor that rises. That, that vapor would have a, a smell, a sweet smell, and it was supposed to mimic uh, an incense, an offering to God, something fragrant to his nostrils. It was rising to him. So the smoke was an offering to God. Paul says this, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, I will rejoice. Now, a lot of people think that when Paul's talking about this, he's talking about his martyrdom. He's not. Here's why I say that. Paul says, even if. The verb is passive present tense. Okay, so Paul says, even if I'm being poured out, not even if one day I'm poured out, but even as my life is oozing away right now. So his ultimate death was not his sacrifice. His daily death was his sacrifice. It goes right along what he writes in Romans 12.1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, look, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Worship, listen, worship isn't just about what we did here this morning, lifting our hands, clapping our hands, whatever expression we have. Worship is something we do every single day. It's offering our lives to God, even if we're like Paul, chained up in a Roman prison. We allow ourselves to be poured out for the glory of God. We need to offer God a sacrifice of praise more than spouting off on our negative thoughts. I, I just be honest with you, I, I, it drives me nuts when I hear just negativity. It just drives me nuts. I just want to pull my hair out. Because it's like watching the news. When, when I watch the news, I just get so frustrated. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. I, just, I feel this tension within me. I just don't want it near me. Because you know what? There's, we are just inundated with such negativity these days. We need to offer God a sacrifice of praise more than spouting off our ideas, our thoughts, our attitudes. How could Paul be in prison, chained up to a Roman prison, and offer God praise and worship? How could he do that? Because Paul was not the center of his story. He's not the center of his story. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is the center of his story. And Jesus was the center of his story, so he could take that negative circumstance and change his perspective in a way that it would impact uh, what God was able to do through him. So this is why Paul said this phrase. Don't miss the power of what he says, please. Verses 12 and 14, Philippians 1. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it would become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Verse 14, And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul's in prison 24-7. He's assigned a different Roman guard every so many hours. Paul's not complaining. He looks at this as an opportunity. He's, he's changed his perspective. He sees the power and the goodness of God in his circumstance. All the soldiers who kept guard over Paul knew he was there for Christ. 
It was evident in the whole palace guard is what the Bible says. So all the soldiers who kept guard knew he was in there for, for Christ. So really, who's the prisoner here? Who's the prisoner? Isn't Paul the guy who preached such a long sermon that some fellow fell out of a window and he dies because he lands? He's, he's preaching so long. So really, who's the prisoner here? Every eight hours, someone new comes in. They're, it's your time, buddy. He's going he's gonna to just talk the whole time. He's going to talk about this Jesus guy. Just be ready. Be ready. So every eight hours or whatever the shift is, I get someone new, someone who is powerful, someone who is influential in Roman society, a guard. And, and I get to tell them all about Jesus. Who's the prisoner here? In other words, it isn't my plan. It isn't what I would choose to do. There's a lot of reasons why he could complain about this. But because he changed his, his circ, or he can't change his circumstances, he just simply changed his perspective. For Paul, God still had an assignment. His calling didn't end because he was in prison. This is now my calling. Th these prisoners, these guards, they're, they're, my, they're my mission field now. So sure, I would rather go into the Roman Senate. I'd rather preach the word of God there. I'd rather go into the, to the, the public places and preach. But you know what? God's put me here. I can't change my circumstances. There's no way I can, I can get out of this. But I can change my perspective. So what are you chained to? What are you chained to? Maybe it's a painful relationship. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's a situation that you don't know what you're going to do. Maybe you're chained to a financial problem. You're in the middle of a hole and you don't know how to get out of it. It could be a health issue. The list goes on and on. Listen, if you can't do anything about it, you can do this about it. You can change your perspective. If you, can't, if you can change it, then change it. But if you can't, change your perspective. Don't complain about it. Do something about it or change your perspective. If you can pray, pray. If you can work hard, work hard. If you can get counseling, go to counseling. If you, if you need to seek help, seek help. If you need to get wisdom, get wisdom. If you need to turn over a new leaf, turn over a new leaf. If you, if you do something about it, if you can do something about it, then do something about it. If you can't change your circumstance, change your perspective. Change the way you look at it. Change the way you think about it. Change the way you speak about it. Rather than complaining about something you cannot change, choose to see God's presence and his power in the middle of something. And listen, something you may have never asked for, and you begin to see something completely different, as Paul did. You can't change the way you look at a circumstance, but you, I can't do anything about this. But again, I can, choose, I can choose to look for God in the midst of my situation. I can choose the way that I speak about it. I can choose how I represent it. I can choose to believe that I'm in the worst possible situation. But you know what? God's put me here for a reason. I can choose to look for some sign that God is going to use me in this situation. I can ask the Holy Spirit to do something in me while I'm in the midst of my situation. I can, I can maybe, not, I may not be perfect, but on the other side of this, whatever situation I'm going through, God is going to conform me more and more to the image of Christ because I've went through it. Maybe I'm, I'm more dependent on the goodness and the grace of God because I'm going through this situation. How many of you know this, that you can go through a, a crisis in your life, health-related, relationships, whatever it is, you go through that journey, you go through that situation, it can be horrible. But on the other side, you have a different version or a different view of God's grace and mercy in your life. 
I may pray a little more passionately because I've went through this situation. It may draw me into a more intimate relationship with Christ. It may have a little more, I may have a little more compassion for someone because I'm going through this situation. Again, I can't change the situation, but I can change my perspective. The benefit then of doing that is, you know what, I see people who are struggling, maybe struggling with their health, struggling with an addiction, struggling with drugs, struggling with alcohol, their marriage is falling apart. You know what, I can then begin to sympathize with them and have compassion for them and love them and show them mercy rather than judgment, encouragement, prayer, praying for them. I may wake up five years from now and recognize that, you know what, I'm able to be a voice in someone's life because of the circumstance I had to endure. If you could do something about it, do it. But if you can't change your circumstance, change your perspective. I love the words Paul uses, even if. Even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering, it's so powerful. Even if at this moment I'm being poured out. Even if my life is just oozing away. Even if everything that I've wanted to accomplish never comes to pass. Even if I have only got a few days on this earth, I'll rejoice. What is he doing? He's choosing his words. He's choosing, choosing his perspective. He's choosing, he's refusing to be negative and to complain. Again, it's so easy to be negative. It's so easy to complain. Again, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to do it, but I can tell you it takes a man or a woman of God to choose your perspective and to speak about it more positively. Again, you're not pretending like, well, you know, I'm just, this doesn't exist. Pastor, I'm a realist. Yeah, you might be really negative. You might just be really negative. Why? Because in the middle of these things that we would never ask for, we can get a glimpse of the goodness of God. Complaining is never going to help you. It is just going to make things miserable. Choose, choose. He's still using me. He's still working through me. He's still working on me. He's still good. I don't know what I would be, what it would be like if it wasn't for God. Whatever situation, that's the perspective you have to maintain. Even if I continue to suffer in my body, I will still declare his goodness. Even if I have migraines that never go away, I will still declare his goodness. Even if I cry myself to sleep, praying for a miracle, and I wake up and nothing's changed, I'm still going to focus on the power and the goodness of God. Whatever it is, even if I still trust the goodness of God, the character of God, the nature of God. I hope I'm helping someone here. Even if, even if, if you can't do something about your circumstance, then just change your perspective. But if you can, in Jesus' name, change it, amen? But if you can't, change your perspective. Remember, we aren't the center of our story. Jesus is. He is the center of our story. And it when you do that, it changes how your story's told. When you change your perspective, you can endure it. You can be light in the middle of your darkest day. Look at Psalms 103, 1 and 2. It says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Well, he's making a choice. He's making a decision. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Verse 2, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things that he does for me. Choose to see the goodness of God in your life right now. Well, pastor, things are going bad. Choose. Choose right now. Choose. That's why I said, gratitude is such a powerful tool. You know why? Because here's what happens. We live in an addictive lifestyle. We all have desires. If you're going through the Bible engagement project, we see what the fallenness of man does. There's a corruption that takes place. 
our desires are now altered. And can I tell you this? When you are discontent, it just feeds your lust. It feeds your desires. Every one of us have lust and desires. So what you do is this. In order to fulfill those needs, you look for something. And that's why it's so powerful that you concentrate on the goodness of God. Because if we would take, listen, whatever you're tempted to do, whatever, if you're tempted to complain, if you're tempted to act out and find some comfort, why don't you just take five minutes, ten minutes maybe, take your piece of paper and just begin to write out the things that God's done in your life, good things. Can I tell you this? There are studies that are showing this. People are testifying, if I just take my mind off me for just a moment and back on to God in the middle of the, t- the time where my needs, where I want my needs fulfilled, where my desires are just wrong, when I take five or ten minutes just to focus on the goodness of God, it changes something in me. You know why? Because we take us out of the center, we put Jesus right back in the middle. Choose to see the goodness of God in your life right now. What does God do? Well, he forgives us of our sins. Praise him for that, amen? So he redeems us from death. He crowns us with love and tender mercies. He fills our lives with good things. I don't know who, again, who this is speaking to. I'm hoping it's finding someone's ears and heart. But if you can change something, change it. If you can't, change your perspective. God will empower you. God will sustain you. Choose to look at what's right. Choose to look at the goodness of God, his grace, his power, his forgiveness, the Holy Spirit when you're weak. Help me, Holy Spirit. Let his strength be made perfect in you. Even if your greatest prayer is never answered, I still praise God because he's good to me. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. His presence is with me, within me. His power is with me. Therefore, I will praise him with everything that I have. It's a choice. Once again, I'd like to thank you for listening to this message. It was an honor to be able to spend this time with you in God's Word. If you have any questions or would like to find out more about Holt Assembly of God, please go to our website at www.holtag.org and connect with us there. Until our next broadcast of Life in the Spirit, I hope that you have a great day as you serve the Lord Jesus with a grateful heart.